This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me today by phone is the one, the only, music director of the Toledo Symphony, Elaine Trudell. Welcome, Elaine. Nobody gives an intro like you, Brad. (laughs) Well, I've been saving up. I've been saving up this disco music because we haven't played it for you for a while. This was your your walk-on music, you remember, that we chose a while back. Oh, well, it's disco, and it's also one of the, the iconic first uh, thing that was uh, copied to make uh, the first hip-hop recording. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Whatever you say is fine. <laughs> so, I mean, you had, you had to know that this music was coming, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm calling the program today Elaine Alone. We have to say that ten times fast, Elaine Alone. That means, of course, that uh, Elaine Trudell is here with me one-on-one. We're going to ask a lot of questions, play some uh, ice-breaking games. The whole idea is that you, dear listeners, get to know our music director a little bit better. And with that in mind, let me turn off this music and bring in something else. There we go. This may be totally inappropriate, but I wonder, Elaine, if you could sort of go back and recap some of the musical highlights of your journey to Toledo for folks who maybe don't know or don't remember uh, in the past when we've we've talked about your musical life. Give us a little Elaine 101. Over the music of Alouette? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, well, thanks a lot, uh, Brad, for having me again on the and, and doing a little one-on-one. It's, it's very nice, uh, and I appreciate it very much. And hello to everybody who's listening. Uh, well, I started off. Uh, my, both my parents were jazz musicians. My mother was a, a cabaret singer. My father was a jazz drummer. Uh, by the age that I, you know, that I had any interest in music, they were not in the music business anymore because, you know, it's a very, it's a very difficult. Uh, in the club scene uh, to make a living as a musician so they both did something else but uh, I, when I started I started really playing at 12 I started in the municipal brass band if you want to call it it was a kind of a fanfare it was a brass band that was started by a policeman and uh, some guy who had an engraving trophy engraving shop and a guy who had an ice cream parlor and they they, they had this this band that was called Les Rhythmiques de Montréal and uh, you would play like uh, trumpet, trombone, euphonium, tuba or percussion that's all the instruments they have and we did parades and we played bingo uh, all the those who remember what bingo is yeah. <laughs> and uh, we raised some money we sold a little chocolate at the subway station and uh, we did some uh, we went around actually I did my first uh, trip outside of Canada with them we went to to Florida uh, to play uh, you know, with our with our brass band and all the big uh, attraction parks, and it, it was a very very nice experience. I wasn't there for three years. Uh, I played valve trombone. I came in. I, there were sixteen trombones, and I was trombone number sixteen. <laughs> and I, <laughs> wow. I practiced a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I was always uh, they had little trophies that for people was always were always on time. 
uh, who didn't miss any days of the the practice, and uh, we had little uniforms, and people paid attention to the instruments. So I was I was kind of always there, and I was very eager, very interested, and, and I love music. It's just I I was just starting, so I didn't know much about it. Uh, even as my parents were musicians, I mean, they, it's very different. But uh, I'm still very friendly with them, um, very good friends with some of the the people that started with me in that band many many years ago still very good friends you know i'm 55 now and uh, i was 12 when i started a friendship that lasts forever so it's very they know what they were doing it was more community work it was more like it didn't cost anything we're all very poor in in my neighborhood mostly uh you know single parents and uh people on welfare and uh, so uh and i was definitely (laughs) among those and uh we didn't have money to have music lessons or to to do anything we do not even to buy an instrument so I started there and we uh, we made some really great friendship made actually not bad music together and it was uh, back in the day where you know you would write things on um, on, on um, what's it called you know you write it on a piece of, of, of plastic uh, not plastic but uh, and, 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 and you put it um, over a projector and people see what you, you've written on that um yeah, I know what you mean, but since you've forgotten the word, I've forgotten the word too. So let's just say a projector, like a slide projector kind of thing. Yeah, well, exactly. So we learned our music like that. We had to copy our own music, bring it home, and we actually printed our own music, like with the you know the blueprint that you you had to turn around the the <laughs> the, the little thing that. That that press the, your your sheet of music, so we're, we're all full of ink and uh, coming back home. So we yeah. didn't have a lot of means, but we had a lot of desire, and uh, we learned to write music, to be together, to play together, to be as a community, and to to actually become better and better at our instrument. A lot of us did uh, did quite well, you know. Like one guy plays with Celine Dion, uh, played with Celine Dion, which she's done now uh, in Vegas for a long time. Uh, another one played in the very uh, commercial band here very well known and so you know there was a lot of good that came from that and basically it was to keep kids off the street mm. so that's how I started and, but then my my interest for for music kept going and by the age of uh, three years after that just before I was 15 I decided to uh, audition and enroll for the conservatoire in Montreal and uh, because the conservatoire was free not because it was the conservatory, because I didn't know much about those yeah. things, but I heard that it was free if you got in. So uh, I enrolled. I finally got in. I didn't get in right away, but I, I got in. And um, and then after that, uh, it started going very well. I had private lessons. Uh, I started playing. Uh, actually, the first orchestra I played after high school was the Montreal Symphony. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, then I, and then I played in the youth orchestra, and then I played in the school orchestra. <laughs> You went backwards, sort of. Yeah, I know. Well, the thing is that the, the thing is that school is like seniority. If you're not in the last few years of the program, you don't really play in the orchestra. But at the at the symphony, you make an, you do an audition. And when I was 17, I auditioned for the symphony, and I made the finals of an international audition. And they didn't pick anybody. And the two people in the finals were actually two from Montreal, and we just kept playing. So during that time, I learned a lot from different conductors coming to conduct us because this was an amazing orchestra in the 80s uh, was well, still a great orchestra but it was like a world class orchestra in the mid 80s to the 90s and um, we learn a lot about having conductors uh, it's basically you know 
you watch and say, oh yeah, this is something I will really do. And this sometimes you want to say, my God, I will never do this. Or I'll never treat people like that. Uh, oh, he got the best or she got, well, back in the day was he. <laughs> got the best from the players or didn't get the best of the players so it was a lot very 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 good way to to learn also when I was in high school uh, I went to my last three years of high school I found a school that had a special music program and my the teacher became my mentor my school teacher very often it is our school teachers that become our mentors and uh, he uh, he really uh, started me on conducting Every week, it give me a little podium time. Five minutes, two minutes, 15 minutes. It wasn't. It was never super long. But you know, I'll go go conduct this and I'll go do this and and then I I started writing music also. And we had another teacher at that school, another men, mentor. Uh, he would always look at it and be very encouraging, saying, uh, "Oh, you're getting the hang of it." He would never tell me it was good or bad because uh, it was probably very very bad. But he would always say, "Well, oh yeah, you're getting, you're getting the hang of it, you're getting the hang of it," and uh, it was very encouraging. And then at Conservatoire, I learned more about classical music because I hadn't done any classical music before I was 15. And then I started playing and conducting, and uh, you know, doing auditions and trying to have a career by earning my place everywhere I go. Yeah, I didn't have necessarily back then connections or people that would back me with money and things like that. So everything I did was like, I had to audition, I had to, uh, and I think it was very, very good for me because, you know, you feel like uh, you deserve everything you, you get because you work super hard and you don't have anybody pushing for you. You just have to, you're like the, the dark horse a little bit, you know, like uh, the, the one that nobody sees that comes yeah. a bit of an anomaly. Uh, yeah, so it worked out. So I started conducting and I became the, conductor of the radio orchestra, which is a big deal. It was in Vancouver. It was a little commute. It's 5,000 kilometers from my place. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, <laughs> it's a little while. Then I, I started conducting and I had positions in uh, in London. I was principal guest conductor in Victoria. I conducted a lot in Toronto. Then I had a position as one of the staff conductor of the National Symphony. And I had a position in Laval, which I also have in love. And finally... I had this dream job in Toledo with my my dream colleagues. I mean, this is this is the best position anybody can have. It's uh, it's, it's amazing because we see eye to eye on everything. Yeah, that's wonderful, and such an interesting story. I mean, some of the takeaway of what I'm hearing is the idea of mentorship, the idea of people who played an important role in your life, as well as the idea of community coming together and creating something. And then all of that, you know, is put into the mix with your temperament, which is typically very modest. I think that anybody who listens to you talk would certainly say, well, this is a, 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 this is a conductor who is not fitting the normal mold of like the egotistical (laughs) kind of, you know, ruler of the orchestra. You have a different approach and I think it works very well here in Toledo. I'm talking with Elaine Trudell. It is Toledo Symphony Lab. We're doing a one-on-one today, talking with Elaine about his uh, career and his association with the Toledo Symphony. Elaine is the music director of the Toledo Symphony and a regular guest on this podcast, I should mention. Okay, Elaine, we're going to do something a little fun now. We're going to dig a little deeper beneath the surface of everything that we just heard. We're going to do a lightning round of a game called This or That. So let me get some, some let me get some music here. Okay. 
I think this will work. Can I have a lifeline with Merwin too? No, no Merwin this time. This is all you. Nobody wins. We just find. We just get to know you a little better. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you a choice. You tell me which. All right. Lightning round. When you're at the movies, candy or popcorn? Popcorn. Popcorn. Butter. <laughs> I didn't add, didn't add the butter. Okay. Bath or shower? <laughs> I beg pardon. Bath or shower? Uh, bath. Nice. Okay. Big party or small gathering? Small gathering. Small gathering. Blue or red? <laughs> Blue or red? Blue. No, that's okay. You can choose blue. I like red better. Cake or pie? Pie. Eh, I'll give you a bell for that one. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Coke Zero. Okay. Well, that's all right for you. Dog or cat? Dog or cat? Cat. A cat. Absolutely. 100% for that one. Facebook or Twitter? Uh, hopefully none but Facebook okay I'll go with that football or basketball it doesn't say here whether they mean American football or yeah what do you say football all the way I'm a huge fan alright form or function Mm. that's a tough one that's a tough one Um, well we can skip it come back to it later Hamburger or taco? Hamburger or taco? A taco. Okay. Well, you get that. Iced coffee or hot coffee? No coffee. (laughs) Okay, we'll cross that one out. Meat or vegetables? Uh, Meat. (laughs) Yeah. Whoops. I meant to hit the. I meant to hit the bell for that one. I'm giving that to you. Netflix or YouTube? Uh, Netflix. That's good. Pancake or waffle? Uh, well, uh, pancake. Yeah, good choice. Pen or pencil? Uh, a pencil. Okay, that means that you also have an eraser that goes with that, right? A phone call? <laughs> phone call or phone text? Uh, phone call. Very good. Okay, sneakers or sandals? Uh, mm, sneakers. Yeah, I'll give you that. Toast or eggs? Toast or eggs? Well, um, toast. Okay. <laughs> Toilet paper, over or under? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means. Okay. Check that off. What's worse, doing laundry or doing the dishes? I like both. <laughs> you like them both? Wow. Yeah. Come to my I house. I don't like uh, vacuuming or, or mopping, but the, the other two very much, yeah. Yeah, all right. Yay! Well, that was our lightning round. You know, we got to know you a little bit. At least we know that you like pancakes and Netflix and meat and pencils and Facebook and football and Coke, Zero and Pie and Blue, small gatherings, showers and popcorn. So we learned a little bit about you today, Elaine Trudell. 
Let's talk a little bit more about uh, your relationship with the Toledo Symphony. Now, you came here in 2018, right? You had a three-year contract. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the symphony celebrated its 75th anniversary. And then we had this whole pandemic thing that hit and had a profound influence on how the symphony uh, performs and communicates with the public. And you signed up not too long ago for another three years, which is going to take you through the 23-24 season. So I guess it's safe to say that, that you like it here, right? Very much. Yeah. I to- mean, I found, found a musical family and uh, not just colleagues. I mean, it really feels like a family. I know it sounds very cliche to say, but uh, that's uh, that's really how I feel. And I, I I'm, ha- I'm I'm very lucky because I have the luxury of uh, you know taking a job or not taking a job. A lot of people don't even have a, that kind of choice in life. But uh, I I didn't hesitate one second. Uh, we're 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 not even halfway in everything we can do together. Yeah, talk about your relationship with the orchestra itself, like in rehearsals. I think people may be a little bit curious as to how you prepare all of this music yeah. for performance. Well, you know, and I told you before that um, that you, um, I, I learned a lot from playing in the orchestra about other, people, about other people's mistakes. Uh, yeah. I learned a lot from that. There were some, you know, there's a few conductors, very few conductors that are really good at rehearsing. And there are very few of them, but they're really good at rehearsing. Everything is prepared. And at the same time, you can, you're flexible enough to turn on a dime uh, if what you've prepared is like, oh, something needs more and less. And the experience, the time, nothing replaces the experience that you can have also in the, in the training, you know, of your ear. and Because uh, doing a beat pattern is not the hardest thing in the world, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, mo- it's mostly how you're going to prepare. It, I like to do by sports cliche, I'm sorry, analogies. Uh, and I like football. So... When you watch a football game, like like people will say, like a coach, like um, uh, you know Belichick or Peyton, like the really top coaches, you know, mm-hmm. or back in the days, they first, like, they first uh, or Bill Walsh and uh, with the Forty ers those coaches, they don't, they're not on the field, they don't make the plays, but they prepare the team, and they prepare the team well. Sometimes you see, because you see the difference, like in the NFL, for example. There's like you know, there's like two leagues in the NFL. The the I don't know four or five teams are well prepared that have enough talent, but are super well prepared and disciplined. And you have the other teams that are just running around, you know. Yeah. So and it's all in the preparation because at that level, all the athletes are amazing. You know, like in the orchestra world, at our level, our players they can play anywhere. Our players play in, uh, in Cleveland. They play in Detroit. They play everywhere. They're great. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. But if a conductor, a conductor comes in, doesn't really have a plan, rehearse the orchestra poorly, the orchestra is not ready. And it's not their fault if they're not ready. They come to the first rehearsal, their parts are their parts ready. But you have to put it together. And if at the concert it looks like, oh, everything is just great, and it, it's, you know, it flows, it's because the preparation is good. That's the same thing as when you look at a football game and you see, oh, everybody's doing the right thing. It just, it just seems like everything works well. Uh, they spend hours and hours and hours preparing during the week. They're still the athletes. They're still the stars. But the coach needs to prepare them well. So for me, my players are the stars. But I need to be there and to prepare people well. 
I mean, they do their own preparation, but to prepare an orchestra, that's my job. Yeah, that's wonderful. It sounds like a wonderful uh, work ethic and a way to bring music to the, uh, not only to the musicians, but also to the public. I want to do a sort of a question roulette. I have a whole bunch of questions here that I've mixed up, and I'll spin the roulette wheel, and we'll grab them, and I'll ask you. And, you know, if you don't want to answer it, just say pass. But if it's something <laughs> that... answers be mixed up, too? Yeah, you can make up all the answers you want. I do that every single episode, so we're good with that. Let me spin the roulette wheel here and see what we get. Oh, this is a football-related question. You'll like this. Okay. Which hurt worse, Brady losing to the Rams or the Patriots being blown out by the Bills? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I I love the, the pass, but, you know, I we knew that this was going to happen. No, Brady, because, you know, he did such a great comeback, and someone on the defensive squad didn't do their job that last thing, and he could have had the most amazing comeback of his career on what what is maybe his last game now? So, yeah. Uh, oh, Brady. Yeah. I should say some of these questions were submitted by your colleagues. I'm not saying who ah. submitted <laughs> that, but you can probably figure it out. That's that question. Yeah. Uh, let, me, uh, let me roll this again. Don't be so sure it was Zach. I'm not sure. Okay. Where is your favorite place in the entire world and why? Oh, uh, my favorite place is... Uh, it's actually it's in the chair that I'm sitting right now while I'm talking to, but with my daughter in my in my arms because she's 12 years old. Anywhere I'm, I'm holding my daughter, my my youngest daughter, and my I love my older kids, but they're adults now, so you know that's yeah. the same. <laughs> I still have I still have your your young daughter on my soundboard here. Good job, guys. There she is. Ah, there she is. That'll help your your appreciation of your chair a little bit more. <laughs> Okay, here's another question. Let me uh, pull this up. All right, that's good. Do you have any hidden talents? I'm kind of a one-trick pony, <laughs> fortunately. But uh, you have a lot of tricks, though. Uh, it's all about music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of them are in music, unfortunately. Okay, you're not like a secret cook or a carpenter? or. No, I, 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 I cook okay, but I mean, I'm not like Joel. Our principal flute is a chef, you know. He's oh, amazing, wow. but uh, no, no. I'm, uh, I, I'm just—they're all in the realms of music. Okay. All right. Name something you miss about playing trombone as part of an orchestra. You talked about learning a lot while you were playing the trombone. W- yeah. What do you miss about not playing it in an orchestra I, setting? I don't miss not playing trombone in an orchestra because I found it very difficult. Yeah. I miss when I don't have enough time to play trombone. Like sometimes it happens during the year, like maybe for a, a month or two. I'm too busy, can't play enough. Then I I miss just the contact and making a sound, like being the one who makes just the sound. As a conductor, you kind of manage sound. You you create a space for the sound to live, to evolve, and and to uh, to to magnify. But you don't make that sound. So to to make the sound is the big thing I miss when I don't play. But in the orchestra, what's so difficult is that sometimes you wait. People don't notice. You wait, you wait, you wait sometimes 40 minutes, 45 minutes before you play your first note. And your first note, nobody else plays. It's just the trombone section. (laughs) 
and you know, you just—it's—it's it's a lot of pressure. So I'm—you uh, have to get it right. I'm very uh, <laughs> in awe of my my guys there, Pedro Mon. <laughs> yeah. Do you have an extra amount of sympathy for your your players now, having been one yourself? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I yeah. do a lot actually. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple more questions I want to ask you here. Have oh, okay. Besides the one you have, what is your dream career? So this is not something that you have to be any good at. It's just something you would like to do as a career. So what I wanted to be when I was a kid was a veterinarian. Oh. And then I wanted to be uh, a shrink. <laughs> and uh, there's still time for both, you know? Yeah, you're, you're, but, kind uh, of, you're kind of do both a little bit. I mean, more on the shrink uh, no. side. but <laughs> No. <yeah. laughs> I mean... Well, there, 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 is, there is psychology involved in the... And and, um, and leading a very large group of very uh, immensely competent people, it's true. Towards a common goal, and you have to convince everybody. There's a lot of convincing, and there's a lot of trying to find what is the the, the best ground for all of us to agree. But the part uh, with uh, the animals that does not apply. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know though, because you think of Camille Saint-Saëns and the pianists are animals. I mean, it's there's there's a whole carnival of animals that you have to deal with sometimes. So. That's well, where I'm. enough, I don't think of Kemi Saint House all that often. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell him. Okay. Okay. Your final question here: If you could have dinner with another musician, living or dead, who would it be? Bach. It would be Bach. <laughs> Johann Sebastian Bach. And what kind of yeah, food would you eat? Question. What kind of food would you eat at, at, at the Bach dinner, the Bachanal? I, I oh, um, I I don't think I I. I be eating i don't think i'd have the time or even like i'd be like probably you know eating is worse <laughs> eating is a yeah. is, is thought and everything you would tell me you know or probably eating my own words also but i i mean it, it, it'd be like you know like be like meeting god you know yeah what's the first thing you'd ask him i don't know what, what i would love to do well not to not to ask him anything just follow him for for like a day uh follow him around yeah yeah, follow him around for like maybe more than a day, maybe like you know, like uh, uh, let's say Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like before Sunday mass and Saturday to see what happens on the weekend. Friday to see when he has to teach all these kids during the day, get home, and you know, and with his sickness and everything and the family and uh, how does he how does he handle everything? Yeah, no, no pun intended. <laughs> Handle with somebody else. That's a different conversation. We'll yeah, we'll do a little more. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a little more roulette. Uh, but first, I want to ask you about the rest of the season. There's some cool stuff coming up. What are you looking forward to in this this upcoming well, season? Uh, I'm coming in uh, real soon for a Canadian brass. Yeah, uh, these and are all guys you know, right? I mean, yeah, they're from Canada. They play brass. You're from Canada. You play brass. Well, we both play brass. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> From Canada, let's see. It's a four, more than, about 40-some years ago, it started off in Hamilton, Canada. But, uh, you know, there's been many iterations of the group. Uh, I think there's uh, maybe one Canadian in the group. So it, it, but it doesn't really matter because, I mean, uh, you know, the Juilliard Quartet, uh, maybe uh, nothing Juilliard. Yeah? Right. So, um, so, but, but I love the Canadian brass. I love what they do. I love working with them. I'm happy that they're coming. We're good friends. And uh, people will feel that connection at the con- the concert. And also, what they do something I 
absolutely love is that they they need to connect with the audience. They need to connect with the public. Yeah, and that's the important for me. So, so we have a show together. We have a, a Sinatra show. Uh, we have uh, after well for, for me. I mean, I'm going to be there a lot uh, starting uh, in uh, about a week and a half. So um, we have some shows for the kids, some shows for the symphony. We, we have uh, we've just had New World Symphony. We have uh, after coming up uh, after the brass, we're going to have uh, some great concert with the music of Rachmaninoff, his second symphony. With uh, also be able to introduce uh, the music of uh, André Mathieu, uh, oh, yeah. Canadian Rachmaninoff in his days, uh, and also we're going to uh, continue. And, uh, and the rest of our season with the wonderful repertoire with some wonderful guests also we have a Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony with Giordano Belancan who's coming to, uh, to to see the orchestra again and yeah. there's a very good friend of man, uh, mine uh, Ricardo Paseo a Spanish conductor who's going to come and do a beautiful Spanish program we have a great concert of American music uh, coming up a concert the celebrating Sousa and his music with the Sousa conducting, actually. <laughs> How does that well, work? Not, not really Sousa, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's it. it was difficult. Well, Sousa was not himself available, actually. <laughs> but it, we, we have the next best thing, you know. So, But you have to come to the concert. We have one thing that's very close to my heart and very important. is Soldier's Tale in our chamber music concert. With It's a project we have in the community with the young actors, with a wonderful director, Imelia Hunt. And uh, we have something special coming up in May uh, with Soldier Stella rewriting the entire story. We have Bernadette Peters coming to, to, to make music with us. And at the end of the year, we have a great concert where we play Gershwin and the music from Porgy and Bess, a brand new piece by Christopher Dietz, uh, and a piano concerto I wrote during COVID. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. That's a little bit of what's coming up. Yeah, well, it's much more than a little bit. I mean, it's so exciting. The programming is always so interesting and eclectic, you know. It covers a lot of different ground. Um, how do you guys come up with these ideas and, and programming? I mean, do you have something specific and you, you come to the group and you say, I want to do this, and then you get the yes or the no? I mean, how does that how does that work? Well, it's, every orchestra does it differently, but the way I've always done it with every orchestra I've worked with and is, uh, is um, collaboration. That's very important uh, for me. But my job is to come up with the first version of something, which you, everybody by then who's listening to this knows Merwin. Mm. And Merwin is the artistic administrator. And then Merwin and I challenge each other. We like uh, bounce the ball off each other. We challenge said, oh, that's great, but uh, have you ever heard about this? And then the, w the other one would say, oh, let me check it out. And yeah. while we're checking out something else, we'd find another thing, and we say, well, what about that? And then we build a season like that. And by the end, we have, let's say, like 12, 14 big programs, plus the pops, plus the, 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 uh, the specials. But uh, in, in the big classical programs, once they're done, we go to... We like to get together with the. Um, uh, we have a players committee, an artistic uh, committee of the orchestra. They have their own suggestion that they do by pooling the orchestra every year, and then then we incorporate as many of those as we can in the programming. 
and then we reshuffle that and I and I have like themes that I like to put uh, you know, the sea and music from uh, France uh, um, uh, American music music that's uh, that has to do with a special time a special period an event you know a lot of that goes together but we put some work like that once we have that and we feel like pretty confident that we have a season then we sit down with with uh, with Vanessa with uh, in marketing and with Zach our CEO and then they look at it and they pretty much destroy it <laughs> and and and, <laughs> and then we go back to the drawing board again yeah. and by i would say the the sixth version or seventh or eighth version of it we we have what you see uh, in the program so uh, i I strongly believe that the first draft is super important, and that's what takes us to a successful six, seven, or eight draft. But but it's important to go through all of those and to go through the different people. While you know, I still have a leadership. Uh, it doesn't change anything in my leadership that that we uh, that that we talk about everything. Yeah, it just makes me uh, do do have better decisions. Absolutely, the the kind of community of of people that are bringing all their talents to the table. Let's do another uh, round here of Question Roulette. I have a slightly different disco track for you background there. Anyway, let me pull this up here. Okay, have you read any good books or seen any good movies lately? Wow. Or have you had any time to to read or go see a movie? Movie theaters were... uh were closed in Canada for, right. for a long, long time. So you can and watch them on TV. I'm busy. Yeah, I, I, in Toledo, I'm, I'm busy non-stop meeting people and going around, and I and so I don't go out to movies all that much. But I, in the time of reading, I have so much to to work on. Uh, but I, I, but I do watch some TV. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, to give you a, a little idea of a, a movie I really liked uh, and how long it's been that I really had time to watch and I love the There Will Be Blood that was an amazing movie yeah. that's already like more than 10 years old yeah um, great I, great I music it. though oh my god but uh, I would say well series I, I like to watch series you know yeah. I like movies but, but I like to watch series so uh yeah, there's quite a few series like Netflix and other series like that that uh, that I love to watch. I like to watch things that have uh, conflict and things like that because I I like the that they take you outside of your life. It's a little bit like Aubrey, you know, they do things that are so off the wall. You know, like if you watch, uh, you know, uh, something like Billions or uh, that that's not on Netflix. That's on another chain, but. Uh, or of course, House of Cards doesn't play anymore. But uh, and also by, back then, House of Cards was way off the wall. Now it's just uh, something that could happen. But uh, it's yeah. uh, it's really interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's like all takes out of out of yourself, out of your world. It's kind of uh, it's all things that really don't happen in your life. So it's just kind of cool to watch. Yeah, totally. Okay. If you could play a woodwind instrument well. Well, is in parentheses. What would it yeah. be? Uh, woodwind, not brass. Huh? Woodwind. Yeah. Um, well, would be the oboe. Really? Uh, oboe or bassoon? They're, they're, they're the two I like. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of saxophone, flute, clarinet is fine. But I mean, I mean, of course, 
if I can play flute like Joel, yes, of course, I play clarinet like uh, like <laughs> like George, yeah, no problem. But uh, or just live, sorry, clarinet like just not. But uh, no, but bassoon and uh, oboe. I mean, um, and uh, you know, I hear I hear such beautiful uh, oboe and bassoon sound in the orchestra every day uh, here in Toledo. I'm like, oh. Well, as a as yeah, a I former guess. former bassoonist myself, I approve of your uh, choice there absolutely yeah but in general i like instruments that are in that the range of a bassoon viola cello they're like that's pretty much my feet yeah okay next one your favorite non-classical album i have so many <laughs> well, I, I don't really listen to classical musical that much uh i i lot of uh, hip-hop album i really like Really? Uh, my favorite album of my life is Sure uh, Love Supreme, John Coltrane. Oh, yeah. That's, well, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's, real deal. that's not so far away from the classical world, really, when you think about artists it's, like that. It's, the, it's the, one of the greatest things ever, work of art ever produced. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yay! All right, a few more questions here. When you're opening a score to a piece that doesn't have a recording, like a brand new commission, what is the first step for you? Do you go bar by bar? Do you try to get the sense of the overarching form? What, what do you do when you first... Architecture. The architecture of the piece? Architecture first, yeah. yeah I, I see uh, what the house looks like. You know, I mean, the... Uh, how I should build a window if I don't know what the house looks like. <laughs> so nice. then uh, the, I, I go through it many, many times. Uh, architecture, harmony, um, harmony kind of point, I mean, together. But uh, architecture is definitely first. Uh, harmony, even before melody. I, I want to know what that, what melodically, what it rests on. And... Uh, but, I, but I, I study without recordings, right? I mean, this is yeah. a, a perfect pitch, and I've always studied with that. Mind you, it's very important to listen to recordings, uh, to have, uh, when they're available, well, no, to listen to recordings, that many of them, same as an actor will do uh, to study a role. Like, like if, you're, if you're playing, uh, you know, if the hero's playing somebody from uh, the mafia or something like that, Maybe sometimes he does. He, mm. If he plays a role like that, then for sure he knows how all these people are in real life. So I really, really need to hear Strauss conduct Strauss, Karen conduct Strauss, Abadou conduct Strauss, the uh, American orchestras uh, with Strauss, European orchestras with Strauss. And when I'm finished with that, then I, I open my score. But I don't do it while I study the score. Because you can develop a lot of bad habits. Yeah. Winding because whatever comes into your ear while you're reading something will stick. So you're gonna wind up copying stuff. Absolutely. There's a difference between studying the character of something and then getting into studying the score and studying with a, a video or studying with a, a, a recording at the same time. That I don't recommend. It's Toledo Symphony Lab. I'm talking with Alain Trudel, who is music director of the TSO. We're doing a one-on-one -on -one today. I got one more question for you, Elaine. Okay, if you wrote an autobiography, what would the title be? And let, let's hear the title in both French and English. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe 
and I, they could be like, I made it to the end. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say that in French? Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, well, you speak French, right? Yeah, yeah no, I know, but I find, <laughs> find a nice switch. When, oh, maybe I could say like, I, uh, I made it to the coda. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm still, still living the coda. Living the coda, as it were. Yeah, yeah it's a coda of life. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Now, is there anything else that you want to uh, talk about as we wrap this up? We've Could done we, about... Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm just very grateful that, that we get to spend this time together. Okay. Uh, and, you know, this is, I mean, this is a tough time for everybody. I mean, uh, and it's... For some people, it gets worse. I mean, uh, because it's long and it's never... And it seems like it's never ending, but... You know, let's keep in mind it's gonna end. It's gonna end at some point. We're gonna be we're gonna be fine. But let, let's not be um, how could I say naive and think that everything will be the same. So let's see what we can build positive moving forward in our all of our lives uh, and the experience we have we've gathered through this time uh, that we had you know a lot of stay home or or you know the and um, I think. It strengthened the the ties that we have with our community and our colleagues and our family. Wise words from Elaine Trudell, music director of the Toledo Symphony. This is Toledo Symphony Lab. I'm Brad Cresswell. Elaine, thanks for pulling back the curtain and giving us a a real look behind the scenes at uh, what you do with the orchestra and how you make the music come alive here in Toledo. It was a real pleasure, Brad. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Don't forget, you can find out all about the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Elaine Trudell. I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM91.